What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. This is episode 43. I am your host, Jimmy Covington. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Quentin? How you doing, man? You know, I, I'm doing pretty good, Jimmy. How about you, bro? I can't complain. Been chilling on the day off, man. Man, must have been nice. I had a pretty long day today, but uh, hey, it's already Wednesday, so close to the weekend. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's go ahead and get it started here. We got a few topics for y'all on 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 deck today. Uh, so Quinn, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, so on Monday, uh, via JJ Watts' Twitter page, he announced that he was signing signing with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the deal was two year, two mm-hmm. year, thirty one million dollar deal. With $23 million guaranteed. Quentin, does this move make the Arizona Cardinals championship contenders? Uh man, in my opinion, no, not really. Man, you know, for one, you gotta take into consideration the NFC West ain't no joke. Uh in my opinion, you know, AFC North makes a strong argument, uh, but it's arguably the best division in football or that the NFL has to offer. Uh, but, you know, the Cardinals defense really wasn't that great last year. Um, they were okay against the pass, and they were actually 22nd against the run. You know, in six of their games, they actually gave up 120-plus rushing yards. And, you know, for a team that considers itself, you know, with a move like this to be in a Super Bowl window, I don't think you can really, you know, expect to make a deep playoff run if your defense is that atrocious. Um, And, you know, as far as J.J. White moving the needle and getting them over the hump, I just don't think he's that caliber of player anymore. Uh, Nonetheless, he's definitely still a great player. But, you know, at his peak, J.J. White was a guy each year. He was a threat to get 20 sacks. You know, he was batting down five, six balls every year, uh, forcing so many fumbles. And, I mean, just every play seems like he was just living in the backfield. Uh, But, you know, whether it be the injuries, uh, just the lack of talent around him, uh, he just really hasn't been the same player in maybe about four or five seasons now because even, you know, last five seasons, he's only played a total of 48 games. And considering, too, that he's a defensive lineman, you know, you can only expect that he might get banged up uh, this year again. But, you know, I think there were a lot of factors that went into why he chose Arizona. Uh, For one, you know, he just was teammates with DeAndre Hopkins in Houston. Uh, So I know he was in his ear constantly. Like, come on, bro. Pastures are green over here in Arizona. Um, and then, you know, Vance Joseph is actually their defensive coordinator, and he coached J.J. Watt his first three years in the league uh, in Houston. So there's definitely a level of familiarity there uh, in those aspects. And, you know, he actually said at his press conference that, you know, he as a player believes in Kyler Murray's abilities. And I really think that's the biggest factor in all of this, you know, if Kyler Murray is able to take that next step and put himself in the upper echelon of quarterbacks and be a superstar, you know, I think with him playing at that level, yeah, it'd be pretty hard uh, to beat that team. 
Uh, you know, they're a tough team to beat now. They're no easy out. But, you know, like I said, they need him to step up, and they have a array of other needs, too. Uh, they're going to have to look at their secondary. They got a lot of independent free agents, specifically at corner. Um, they need – they still need pass rushing help, in my opinion. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick, he's an independent free agent. Uh, Marcus Golden's a free agent. Um, so just some depth up front on that D-line is going to be uh, imperative. And then also I think on offense, they're going to need a consistent number two receiver because, you know, Larry Fitzgerald isn't getting any younger, which we saw that last year. And then Christian Kirk, he just wasn't that guy. You know, he disappeared some games. So, you know, considering those aspects, I don't I don't consider them to be a Super Bowl contender. And my book right now, they're still probably third or fourth best team uh, in the NFC West. So I don't think they'll be Super Bowl contenders. This move just, you know, really didn't move the needle for me. When I when I saw the decision, I immediately thought he's just joined the, the worst team in his own in their own division. I, I think they are the third or fourth best team in the division, even with the addition of JJ Watt. Uh you mentioned, you know, some of the starters that they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose five starters uh due to free agency. Patrick Peterson, Devondre Campbell's an inside linebacker, Marcus Golden, and Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick had 12 sacks and six and six forced fumbles last year. They also losing Drake Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick, excuse me, a corner, and they didn't have much cap space to begin with, and they just paid him thirty one million. So that's that's going to be a problem. Uh, definitely, you mentioned they need yeah. help, you know, offensively in terms of a number two receiver. Uh, Kenyon Drake is also he's also a free agent. Got some one of their starting guards, Jr. Sweezy. He's also a free agent. So they got have some some needs, and they just paid JJ Watt a lot of money. He's not like you mentioned. He's not the same guy. He was four or five years ago, and that's mainly due to injury. Uh, last year, like he only had five sacks, and I think that's more so due to the lack of talent yeah. outside of him on the defensive line, but I still don't expect him to be the guy that he was three four years ago. And let's not forget Chandler Jones is also – he's 30, and he's also coming off a major injury. So, you know, it remains to be seen what he's going to be like coming back. Now, they do have some talent, though. You know, they have, like I said, they have Chandler Jones, have Buda Baker – Isaiah Simmons, who really came on late, and like I said, possibly Patrick Peterson, if they, if they can bring him back. Uh, I don't know what they do if they don't bring him or Dre Kirkpatrick back, but it remains to be seen. But I'll like draft you mentioned, somebody. Yep, for sure. Uh, but you mentioned uh, Vance Joseph. Like you said, he was his coach his first three years uh, in, with Houston, and they run the same scheme, 3-4 scheme. He'll be playing the same position, essentially. So those, there's some familiarity there in terms of scheme-wise. But honestly, I think when it comes to these decisions, I don't believe, like, a lot of times the media thinks about, you know, I think they think about strictly football. And I don't think this was just a strictly football decision. I mean, Arizona is one of the nine states that doesn't have state tax. I think they went into it. His wife is a professional athlete as well. I think that yeah. goes into it. So, they you know, they can train – in Arizona during the offseason. So I think that a lot that a lot of that goes into it. You know, J.J. Watt is a hall, first battle Hall of Famer. So I, in my book, I feel like being a Hall of Famer uh, is more important than – well, I'm, I wouldn't say more important. I think, you know, being a Hall of Famer is the highest individual accolade that you can receive as a football player. And I, I put that even, you know, over winning the Super Bowl because, you know, some guys just don't get lucky. 
So I believe, you know, if I'm JJ Watt, I would have followed the money as well. I mean, football players have a limited window. The average career is only three and a half years. He's managed to play, you know, three times that number. And he's made a lot of money along the way. So, like I said, continue getting the check, continue, you know, balling out. Hopefully he has a resurgence of a season. He's one of the best defensive linemen of all time. Definitely, you know, one of the best, if not the best defensive linemen of our generation. Uh, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. I like I said, I thought he would maybe go to Green Bay or Buffalo. Uh, but, like, we met, we both mentioned Green Bay didn't really have the cap space. And, uh, I mean, Buffalo would have been a nice place to go. Uh, definitely would have – they would have fit him. Uh, but I think J.J. Yeah, Watt yeah. made – I think he made what decision he felt was, was best for him and his family. Yeah, and I think even uh, there were some teams, the Browns had had their hat in the circle. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts were in the mix. And even I saw the Tennessee Titans threw up my offer. So, I mean, in my opinion, at least two of those teams, I would probably take over the Arizona Cardinals as far as uh, who's closer to a Super Bowl contender. Uh but, you know, like you said, those off-the-field factors definitely played a part. Um, and, you know, you piggybacked on it. Uh, you know, even like I said with DeAndre Hopkins uh, recruiting him, I'm pretty sure a lot of that was, uh, you know, the atmosphere that they have within the franchise. I'm pretty sure, you know, they got Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's a player's coach. They had a toxic environment in Houston. And, you know, I just feel like that definitely played a huge factor in deciding where he wanted to play because essentially, uh, you know, they just didn't want him in Houston anymore. You know, after all he done for that franchise and that city, which, you know, is once again just a reminder that the NFL is a business. Um, but, you know, hopefully he can find his resurgence self this year. Uh, it'll definitely be a scary tandem. Uh, with him and Chandler Jones, if they're both uh, at least even close to full strength. So uh, I think the Cardinals will definitely be a team to keep an eye out on. And I want to say since 2011, uh, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are one in, number one and number two in sacks. I think Chandler Jones has not, yep. 97, and mm-hmm. a half, 97 and a half, and J.J. Watt has 95 since 2011. So if they can return to form, they don't even have to be, you know, previous. If they're 80% of what they normally are, the Cardinals are going to be a team that, a team that you know, contend with, especially in NFC West. But, yeah, yeah. I think I actually saw, like, statistic-wise, they would be the most accomplished duo, like, in NFL history. It definitely sounds about right. Those are two amazing players. And, you know, I'm excited to see uh, the NFC. The NFC West year in and year out is always arguably the best Dog division party. in football. And it just got a, it just got a little, a little harder to win there. But let's go ahead and move on to our next. Go ahead and move on to our next topic here. Uh, NBA All Star Weekend is this weekend. Actually, it's only I think it's one day actually this time around. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Obviously, some players expressed some disdain for it. Felt like it wasn't necessary, but here we are. We're having it anyway. Of course, every year with All Star, there are snubs in each conference. Uh, and Quinn, so let's go ahead and start here. Uh, in Eastern Conference, who was your All Star snubs or snubs for the Eastern Conference? Yeah, uh, man, my biggest all-star snub was easily uh, DeMontis Sabonis. You know, I really don't get the disrespect 
you know, especially considering he was just selected to an all-star team last year. Uh, but the Pacers, if I'm not mistaken, they're currently – well, they've actually slipped to ninth. But uh, even, you know, from the jump, they've been right in the mix of those East teams uh, for their fourth or fifth spot. Um, and that's without T.J. Warren. That's without Karis LeVert. Um, they've had some some people in and out with injuries. I think even Jeremy Lamb was out for a bit of time. Uh, but De- DeMontis Sabonis, he's been averaging 21, 11, and 6. Uh, and probably behind Nikola Jokic, you can make the argument he's the second best uh, big man passer in the league. Uh, you know, just what he brings to that team, especially on the offensive end, is invaluable. And I feel like partially – it's because he's in a small market, but <clears throat> but excuse me, he definitely doesn't get uh, the, the the respect that I feel he deserves. But I'm still gonna go big for mom, and I I was thinking Bam Adebayo should have got in over Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Demontis Sabonis did get in. He's a because of uh, injury, of course, to Kevin Durant. Well, uh, yeah. but yeah. he should have been an outright. Well, technically, snitch. he was snowed. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to him getting in, but I, I picked Bam over Nicola Vucevic. Bam Adebayo averaging a career high in minutes, field goals made per game, field goals attempted per game, free throws made a game, free throws attempted per game, free throw percentage, assists per game, and points per game. He's averaging 19, 10, and 5, shooting 56% from the field and 80, almost 85% from the free throw line. He's up almost 15, 16%. Uh, the Miami Heat have been hit hard with COVID and injuries. Yeah. A lot of players have missed a lot of games. Uh, Jimmy Butler's missed 14 games. Tyler Harrow's missed 11. Goran Dragic has missed 14. And Avery Bradley has missed 25 games. And they were still able to stay afloat. They're currently seventh in the Eastern Conference. And they're ten. In, they were 10-5 and five during the month of February. So they've definitely picked it up. But I, I definitely would have liked to see Bam get it. I think he was snubbed. Uh, but not to say Nikola Vucevic, he's having a career year as well, career high in points, uh, field goals, three-point percentage, three-pointers attempted per game, three-pointers made per game, and free throw percentage. He's averaging almost 25, 12, and four. Uh, so he's played extremely well. But the Orlando Magic are 14th in the Eastern Conference. They're currently 13 to 22. And I think, you know, I think winning should be a part of the formula. Because there's a lot of guys who have put up bad numbers on terrible teams, put up great numbers on terrible teams, excuse me. And I think Bam uh, is putting up great numbers on a playoff team. So I would have liked Bam to get the nod over Nicole. Yeah, I definitely think Miami is a good example, which this is a crazy year anyway. But Miami is a, uh, they're one of those teams this year where their record definitely doesn't indicate, you know, how good they really are. But I expect once they get healthy, they get some chemistry down the stretch in this second half of the season, they'll still be a force to be dealt with uh, when it's all said and done. But, uh, you know, another guy in which, you know, you brought up a good point we talked earlier about, you know, with these snubs, who would you take off of them? And uh, I was going to say Tobias Harris because uh, he's been balling this year for Philly. Uh, Philly's number one in the East, of course. And, you know, he's averaging 20 and seven. And he's actually just one percentage away 
on free throws from being a 50-40-90 uh, score. So, uh, like I said, he's definitely been balling this year. Um, he's definitely been way more consistent than he was for the 76ers last year. Uh, and I think they've kind of accepted that he's their true number two scoring option. So I think that combination of all those factors have kind of helped his game uh, flourish more this season. Definitely. Tobias has been balling out. Uh, it's a lot of guys that have taken a, a step up this year. Uh, not, you know, like I said. But, Quinn, let's move on to the Western Conference here. Mm. Well, I was going to say Devin Booker, but, you know, similar to Sabonis, he uh, was put in as a replacement. But it just really, really baffled me that Devin Booker wasn't selected as an all-star at all. Mind you, his teammate Chris Paul was. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, Devin Booker has better stats. Um, I'm like, are you serious? He's their clear-cut number one guy. Um, I guess you now say CP3 is their leader. But in my opinion, that's still Devin Booker's team. So, you know, I don't see how Chris Paul was voted in as an all-star at the expense of Devin Booker. If anything, you know, I believe they both should have been an all-star. But, you know, even with that, if you want to leave in Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I don't know who else you take out. Uh, for me, it was easy. I'm taking out Zion Williamson. Uh, he's averaging 25 and a half, seven boards, three assists. Uh, but the Pelicans are 11th in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns currently sit at second. Uh, Devin Booker is averaging 25 points, almost four rebounds, and four assists per game. A career high in, in field goal percentage, shooting over 50% from the field. Like I said, if you're going to replace, I don't think you you take out Chris Paul uh, and put in Devin Booker. I think you take out Zion and put in Devin Booker. Uh, Zion, like I said, he's played great, uh, but his team isn't excelling. Uh, he's put up, like I said, he's put up 25 and 7, but they're not still, they're not even in the top 10 in the Western Conference. So, you know, winning has to be part of the formula, like I mentioned earlier. And he's also putting up, Devin Book is also putting up great numbers. So I think that, that deserved that. That alone gives him the nod, and he should have deserved a selection outright, not because of injury. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, that brings up the question, you know, how much of a factor does winning play into it? Because, I mean, too, you have guys, which I don't think the Pelicans have dealt with it, but, you know, like we talked about with the Heat, uh, with Bam, you know, he's been putting up numbers. Their record hasn't been great, but, you know, they've had guys out with injuries. Um, so, you know, like you said, I, there's no reason Devin Booker should have been left out. That was inexcusable. And it wasn't technically really a snub, but definitely Luka Doncic shouldn't have been a starter over Damian Lillard. That shouldn't have happened. No, that that should not have happened. And Luca, Luca even came out and, and spoke about it. So that lets you know, uh, Dame yeah. should have definitely should have been Dame, more starter. Dame, Dame's been going crazy this year. But my thing, you know, what my thing is, the coaches select the, the reserves. So my thing is, why are the coaches for the second year in a row? 
why have the coaches basically disrespected Devin Booker? Like he's not one of the best guards in the Western Conference. Not yeah, one of the best players in the Western So, you know, that's my what is what is their quarrel with Devin Booker? He's a tremendous player. And now they're winning games. I can see I can see you saying he's putting up great numbers for a terrible team, but now they're second in the Western Conference. So what's the excuse this mm-hmm. year? Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't get what the deal is. Uh especially with how the, the voter system is set up. Uh it's always a different excuse for somebody or just no excuse. But I mean, like you said, in Devin Booker's case, that was just straight up disrespectful. Uh, and I don't know, something, something's going to be – there's going to have to be some changes made to the voting system, in my Definitely. opinion. Definitely. And even LeBron immediately came out and spoke, said he's the most disrespected player in the league, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with LeBron. I wouldn't say most disrespected, but, yeah, he's up there. He's definitely up there. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our last topic, topic here. We're still sticking with the yeah. NBA. Uh, but as All-Star break uh, ends uh, over the weekend, starts the second half of the season, and that's the home stretch going yeah. to playoff time. So by now, they've played about 30, 35, 36 games. So teams are starting to run into shape. So you know, now we're going to talk about our Western and Eastern Conference championship contenders and pretenders. So, Quinn, who are your contenders for the Western Conference championship, and who are your pretenders in the Western Conference? Yep, so, you know, starting with the Western Conference, in my opinion right now, I think, you know, which we thought was the case last year, uh, but I think it's either going to be Clippers or Lakers representing the West in the finals. Uh, You know, I just think when they're fully healthy uh, and the marbles are going to be on the table, I think those are going to be the two best teams. Uh, But, you know, you have your sons who have came on hot this year. Uh, the Spurs, they're up there. The Trailblazers, even despite their injuries, uh, you know, they have a really good record. And, of course, uh, the Utah Jazz currently number one. Uh, but out of those teams, if I had to go with surefire contenders, in my opinion, I'm going with Lakers and Clippers. Uh, the Suns, for me, I just don't – I don't see them beating either one of those teams in a seven-game series. I just don't see them holding up physically, uh, especially uh, they have to have guys who will guard Kawhi and Paul George on one team, or you got LeBron and AD on the other team. Uh, I I just don't see it happening. And then the Spurs, uh, you know, they're always going to be up there. You know, they're a well-coached team. DeMar DeRozan, I feel he could, he could make an argument. He's one of the more disrespected players in the league. Uh, dudes a bucket, but you know, even the Trailblazers, you know, they're a team with a lot of experience. They got Dame and CJ. Uh, is CJ, you know, how much longer he's gonna be up? That I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, but if he can get back and be healthy for the playoffs, uh, you can never count out the Trailblazers and even the Nuggets if they can, you know, find some consistency late in the season. Uh, Cause they're lingering around in the seven spot right now. Um, if they can kind of climb their way up, uh, they could. They'll probably be my team that I take to beat either of those LA teams in a seven game series. I just don't see Utah or Phoenix pulling that off. 
for me, for the Western Conference, it's clear cut. The Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, a starting five with the Lakers, a starting five of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, KCP, Dennis Schroeder, and Gasol have a 25.2 net rating. That's tremendous. Think about it. Uh, zero is the standard, basically. Mm-hmm. Anything above that is tremendous. And they have a 25 net rating. They're elite on both ends of the floor. Obviously, shooting hasn't been up to par. But with LeBron and AD, you know, they can over- overcome all of that. My only question with the Lakers is uh, Anthony Davis' health, his health, uh, long-term health. That's my only question. But if Anthony Davis is healthy, the Lakers have to be the overwhelming favorites. I don't see who would even stand a chance. And I also now I like the Clippers too. Like I had, I actually picked the Clippers to come out of the Western Conference last year. I don't think no team has their length, their athleticism, and you know the amount of battle-tested veterans on the wing. They got Kawhi, PG, Pat Bev, Nicholas Batum, Ibaka, and Marcus Morris are all solid to elite defenders. And I would say they're the, probably yeah. the most they're probably the most switchable team on defense in the NBA. A starting five of Kawhi, PG, Nicholas Batum, Ibaka, and Pat Bev have a, has a 23.3 net rating with a 96.7 defensive rating. So with defensive ratings, the lower number, the better, and 96.7 is tremendous. My biggest question is them is are their stars going to show up come playoff time? Up until last mm-hmm. year when it came up until last year when it came to Kawhi Leonard, we had no we had no questions about you know his resume when it comes to balling in crunch time. Uh, Paul George last couple of years, we've had major questions with him, especially last year. Uh, but like I said, Kawhi choked two in the playoffs uh, against Denver. So my biggest question, will they show up come playoff time? And I think they will. So for my pretenders, I have only have one pretender in the Western Conference, and that's the Utah Jazz. I mean, they have the best record in the league. Uh, they're shooting the three ball historically great. They play great team defense. They have great role players. You know, you got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley Jr., Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, who is my sixth man of the year so far, uh, Derek Favors, Royce O'Neal, George Niang, and the names and go on. But when it comes to playing the Lakers and the Clippers, who on that team is going to guard PG and Kawhi if they're playing the Clippers? And if they're playing the Lakers, who is going to guard LeBron and AD? And they don't have an answer for that. Nope. <laughs> it's simple. No answer. They don't have that. <laughs> We've seen great teams in the regular season over the last five, six years. The Raptors come to mind. The Atlanta Hawks come to you mind. You know what? I was just about to say the Jazz are pretty much kind of like the Raptors of the Western Conference. They they come to mind immediately, and they simply weren't able. They didn't have enough to get it done when it comes to the big dogs. And I think that's another. That's another thing. Uh, like remember early in the season, Shaq told Donovan Mitchell that they couldn't do it. And people took that to heart saying Shaq was hating. But that wasn't the case at all. Shaq was just trying to motivate them. But I think Shaq knows they can't beat the Lakers or the Clippers in seven. Let's, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. If they did, I they think would, a lot of us know. <laughs> they, would, they would definitely surprise me if they did. But I, I definitely think Utah Jazz are a pretender. I think they're just like the Milwaukee Bucks have been in past years. They've been great in the regular season. But come playoff time, I don't think they right. have enough. I don't think they have enough to get it done mm-hmm. to beat the top dogs. No, I don't think so either. But let's move on to the Eastern Conference here, Quinn. Who are your contenders for the Western for the Eastern Conference? Excuse me. And who are your pretenders in the Eastern Conference? Man, Eastern Conference, I think really and really and truly is only one surefire contender. And for me, it's the Brooklyn Nets. 
you know, even when it's been Kyrie and Harden holding down the ship, uh, the the Nets have been firing on all cylinders, uh, especially offensively. I mean, what those guys can do on the court, especially one-on-one, uh, I mean, it's pretty much virtually unguardable. And then you add KD to the mix when healthy. Uh, I just don't see how anybody in the East can beat that in a seven-game series. Um especially if you got to outscore them. Uh, but, you know, the biggest question is for them come playoff time, are the players going to be available, specifically Kyrie and KD, uh, and are they going to play defense? Uh, that was a definitely the biggest question marks for me. Um, are they going to be able to buy in when it truly matters in crunch time? And then, two, you know, Steve Nash, first-year uh, head coaching, you know, what's he going to be like coaching in a, a playoff atmosphere? So those will be some interesting dynamics to keep an eye on. And then after the Nets, which I think after them is pretty much everybody else down here, uh, I think the next best team in the East this year is the 76ers. I take them over the Bucks this year. But, you know, similar issues with both teams. I don't trust their superstars uh, down the stretch in the fourth quarter. You know, you really need them most, you know, especially for one, Ben Simmons. Still, you know, lack of an outside jump shot. And then Embiid, is he going to be consistent, that dominant, aggressive force you need uh, down in the post for an entire four quarters? Because even this year, uh, a good majority of his points in his games come in the first half. Uh, so, you know, in a close playoff game, like in a game six or game seven, when you're out there running on fumes, you know, what kind of player is he going to be? Is he still going to be effective? Uh, and then Boston, they battled some injuries. You know, Kemba's been out. Tatum said he's still feel, uh, feeling the effects of COVID. So he's still working his way back into the mix. And then now you got Marcus Smart out who you know is essentially uh, the equivalent to Draymond Green in terms of what he brings to that Celtics team. Uh, so I, I just don't see them up there on the next level either. So like I said, in the East for me, it's the Nets and then everybody else. I actually have two contenders in the Eastern Conference. Uh, first is Brooklyn, obviously. They have Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden. That's it's all you need right there. My only thing with them, my only problem with them is the defense and the lack of proven role players. So if those guys struggle, the off chance they struggle, how do they win games? But I think, you know, when you got guys that are as consistent offensively as Kyrie, James Harden, and uh, KD, I don't think you're necessarily going to have an off night offensively. All of those guys can go get you 60. They can go get you 50 any night. All of those guys can carry, can carry a team offensively. So I don't have a problem with them at all. My second contender for the Eastern Conference is Philadelphia. Right now, I have Joel Embiid as the MVP, as my MVP right now. Uh, ben Simmons is looking like the best defensive player in basketball. I, I honestly believe he's the best defensive player in basketball. Can guard the one through the five effectively. Uh, Tobias Harris is excelling. Uh, as their third star and at their second score, they have good shooter, shooters. The uh, Seth Curry, uh, Jer- excuse me, Danny Green, 
uh, and Shake Mills and those guys can all shoot the three well. So I think they have the, the makings of a team that could, could possibly challenge Brooklyn. So I definitely see them as a contender. Now, I only have one pretender uh, for the Eastern Conference, and it's been the same pretender I've seen for the last three, four years, and it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis's game is still the same. Uh, and one of my one of my big questions for them is who's going to guard the opposing team's best player, especially if he's a wing player. Uh, Giannis showed you last year that he's not going to do it. I, I know you know I know you didn't forget their press conference where they asked why didn't he guard Jimmy Butler, and it kind of seemed like he had got an attitude about the question. And it seems like he doesn't want to guard the best team's opposing player, especially if they're playing on the wing. And Giannis is not guarding KD. Let's, <laughs> let's call it, he can't guard KD. Let's call it what it is. Can't guard James Harden. I don't even think he can guard Joel Embiid, to be completely honest, which I think Joel Embiid is a little too strong. He's a little nah, too skilled. He's probably better suited for power forward. Exactly. So, you know, who's going to guard the opposing team? I know Chris Middleton's not going to do it. So who's going to guard the opposing team's best player? Uh, and also – Maybe maybe Drew Holiday. But he's 6'3". Which, what can he – what can yeah, he, do? he only he only effective to a certain extent. <laughs> what can he what can he do when it comes to guarding Kevin Durant? There's nothing he can do. He's six three, six four. Can't guard Kevin Durant. I don't even think he, you know. And you, well, guys like James Harden and Kyrie, even then, you can't stop them. You can only contain them a little bit, make it tougher for them to score. But I, I don't think they have mm-hmm. enough. And, and also, my other question for Milwaukee is who closes games for them. Uh, they still don't have a closer. I don't consider Chris Middleton their closer. Uh, as much as I love Drew Holiday as a player, I don't necessarily think he's a closer. And we know Giannis is not a closer. So I, those are three major questions I have. Two major questions <laughs> I have. Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, those are my. Those are two major questions that I think pre, I think prevent them from being true contenders in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and you know, even with the 76ers, I don't think they're contenders. Uh, but I will give them that they're the they're definitively the second best team uh in the East. And you know, another underrated aspect that's really making a difference for them this year uh is that Doc Rivers is a coach. You know, he's battle tested, he's won a championship, uh, and you know, coaching was really, really lacking uh with Brett Brown in town I just think those players just didn't really take heed to what he had to say uh and his coaching style and how he led the team uh and so I think that's definitely made a huge difference for them this year definitely uh their championship experience doesn't get talked about enough and you know I think if anybody can lead those guys to the promised land and get them to to buy in like they have this year I think it was Doc Rivers and he's been able to do that Whatever Joel Embiid did in the mm, offseason, yeah. whatever Joel Embiid did in the offseason, he needs to continue to do for years to come. Because, like I said, right now he's my MVP. Yeah, I mean, literally, he's getting the best out of all those players. Embiid, Simmons, even Harris, they're all balling. And it's no surprise with Tobias Harris because uh, when Doc Tobias Harris last year with the Clippers, uh, he was playing the best ball of his career, and yep, Doc Rivers was sure able to tap it. Doc Rivers was able to tap into that, and he's able to tap into it again. He's got Ben Simmons is a monster defensively. And we saw when Joel Embiid out. We saw what he can do offensively, too, when Joel Embiid is out. Uh, So they're definitely a contender. And, they, of course, they got a few more shooters this year, too. So definitely keep an eye out on Philly, especially if they can – if they can hold some defense against Brooklyn, that might be a good six, seven-game series. 
Definitely. And I'll be all here for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm always here for a good competitive series. Oh, yeah. Quinn, is there anything else you want to add? Man, uh, not really. Just, of course, I appreciate everybody for continuing to tune in with us, continuing to support us. Um, You know, social media, we got Twitter. We're on Instagram. uh, We're on Facebook. Continue to subscribe. Uh, You can also leave reviews, leave comments. Uh, So definitely feel free to continue to show your support uh, for the show. Uh, Let me go ahead and shout out the social media pages just so people know. So for Instagram, it's first and foremost underscore sports. And that's I'll say that again. For our Instagram, it's first and foremost underscore sports. And for our Twitter page, it is first underscore foremost and the number eight behind it. And I'm going to say it again, first underscore foremost eight. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, have a Facebook group called the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. Like I said, leave comments, leave reviews, or wherever you listen. Uh, leave comments on YouTube, like our videos, share our videos, continue to support us. And, you know, we appreciate y'all for all the support that you have shown us and will continue to show us uh, going forward. But this is the first and foremost sports podcast, episode 43. I'm your host, Jimmy Covington. And I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. Appreciate y'all. And we're out of here. All right. Thank y'all. All right. Deuces. Good show, fam. Good show.